All right, story time. And I wanna start this story just by giving a shout out to all the single parents, both in this room and watching online. Can we make some noise for all the single parents? Cause y'all are heroes and you do twice the work and cry twice the tears and give twice the love and you deserve 10 times the amount of credit that you get and we honor you. So here's the scene. So a few Fridays ago, Sam's gone, she's at work, so I'm home alone with the kids. It's lunchtime, which means Doritos and Dino Nuggets. And somebody, somebody said, you feed your precious children Dino Nuggets, frozen Dino Nuggets? And I said, no, I microwave them. They're not frozen. Relax, calm yourself, Iago. Attack your anxiety in Jesus' name, okay? I'm good at lunches. Sam is good at snuggles. I'm good at lunches, okay? Sam can love and nurture and care, and I can throw our kids 10 feet in the air and catch them, and everybody's happy, okay? It's a partnership. It's the body of Christ at work. It's a beautiful thing. Anyways, Will is eating lunch downstairs at our kitchen island on a stool, his, his stool. And I'm upstairs changing Kinsley's diaper, which is already just a dangerous situation, even though I'm a diaper ninja at this point in my life. And here's, here's what I hear from downstairs. Daddy, I need help. <laughs> now, I have to assess the situation because I've seen enough game film to know, daddy, I need help can be, daddy, I need more Doritos, or daddy, I just started a fire, okay? Never underestimate <laughs> what a three-year-old can do with two minutes of being unsupervised. So I, I decide just to speed up the diaper change, but 10 seconds later, I hear it again, but this time with more urgency. Daddy, I need help. <laughs> so forget the diaper. I grab Kinsley and I run downstairs, and this is, this is what I find. The kitchen faucet is on full blast, but it's not over the sink, okay? It's at our, our, our kitchen island, and Will is on his stool, and he turned it on to wash his hands because that's important, but he rotated it so it's not over the sink, but rather the counter, and at this point, it's been about three minutes of just gallons of water pouring onto our counter and onto the floor. There's water everywhere. Animals are lining up two by two. It's just, it's a circus. I know, see, the Bible jokes, they get you every time. And Will is standing on his stool, and this is what he looks like. <laughs> Just hands on his head, and he's paralyzed in this position. No, no sense of problem solving. <laughs> or maybe I just do in reverse what I just did and undo it. He's just panicked, just, Daddy, I need help. And I come downstairs, and nine beach towels later, crisis averted, and it's a good story. And I look at Will and I say, hey, buddy. And I got to say something to him that my mom still says to me to this day. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. So let's go back to Malta and pick it up in verse two. Here we go. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold, and I just, I think, well, of course it was rainy and cold. <laughs> After a shipwreck and a storm, Paul didn't even want to be there in the first place, and so Paul, because he's a good guy, he's just, he, he gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper 
driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. So can we just feel bad for this guy just for a second? I think we owe Paul that much. This is almost comical at this point. This is truly Ben Stiller in every movie he's ever been in where everything that could go wrong is going wrong. It's almost predictable at this point. Paul is in an unfamiliar place he was never supposed to be because a boat that he didn't even wanna be on in the first place during a storm got shipwrecked and so he washes up on a random island called Malta and of course the weather's bad and Paul's just trying to help and be a good guy and he collects some logs and some sticks and he makes a fire, and out of the fire, a snake (laughs) bites him. Except the Bible says it doesn't just bite him. Like, this thing bit down on Paul. This thing fastened itself to Paul's hand. And I promise you, if I were Paul, I put myself in this story, if this was me, I promise you this is what I would do. I would stand up in front of everybody and hold the snake out, in the rain, stare up at the heavens, and I would say these two words, of course. I say those two words all the time. Of course. God, why? Why does everything bad always happen to me? I can't catch a break. Of course, of course. Last week, I left work 30 minutes early, and I pull out of our parking lot over there by the creepy old abandoned Chili's, that makes it gives me chills every time I drive past it. I pull out onto the 35 frontage road and I'm the next person in line at the light. I'm waiting there for forever. And then all of a sudden these construction vehicles pull in and they shut down the intersection. And so now I'm, I'm just kind of stuck for 10 minutes until one of the guys finally gets out of his truck and he, he points me to, to make a U-turn. I can't go north, you gotta go south, so make a U-turn. So now I'm heading in the direction I didn't even wanna go into a traffic jam that I wasn't planning on and it takes 10 minutes to get to the next exit to get off and turn around and make another U-turn because it'd be nice to actually head in the right direction for a change into another traffic jam and 30 minutes go by and I finally get back to ground zero to where I was. And I'm on 35 and I look over and I see our church. I see the the intersection that was shut down and it's not shut down anymore. And and of course the light's green when I happen to look at it. And I I say it in my car, I go, of course, of course. God, I'm just trying to be a good dad today. Of course this is happening, I can't catch a break. But let's be honest about those moments. And what I really kind of mean deep down when I say, of course. And I'll sometimes throw a third word in there. Of course. Of freaking course. (laughs) What I'm saying, subconsciously, this is my world, y'all are just living in it, and the entire city of Austin is conspiring to make me late for my kids which is why, of course, this is happening to me, which is, is reaffirming and blazing more of the this whole world's against me neuropathway narrative into my mind. And I do this all the time, every day. And I wonder why I'm so anxious. And I just, I don't think I'm alone. And so I wanna set somebody in this room free and give you fantastic news that I've been preaching to myself all week. Your life is not the Truman Show. And it's not always the devil with a big conspiracy narrative behind it. Sometimes there's just traffic. And I think this is gonna be helpful because I actually think we do ourselves a disservice when we over-spiritualize stories like the, ones that, the one that we just read. 
And we, we say stuff like, the fire is culture heating up and the snake was a demon on mission to destroy Paul. Or, or the snake was living in one of the logs and then Paul lit its home on fire and the snake didn't like that, so the snake just bit Paul. It's called nature. Sometimes life just happens, and what sets me free in so many ways is Paul seems to affirm what I just said. Look what happens next in verse four. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. We'll come back to that. Verse five, but Paul, somebody say, but Paul. But Paul, he just, I love this guy. He just shook off the snake back into the fire. Didn't say anything. Just shook off the snake and suffered no ill effects. Now, when I read this story, all the way from when Paul got on the boat he never wanted to be on, and there was a storm and a shipwreck and Malta and the fire and the snake. And I actually, I see two different categories that I think are helpful. Shipwrecks and snake bites. Shipwrecks on Malta are the big things that blindside us and pull the rugs out from beneath our lives and the breakups and the layoffs and the, the doctor reports and the, the tragedies and the phone call that you got in the middle of the night that changed your life. And shipwrecks need to be processed and healed and felt. And there's no shortcut through the pain and there's no quick fix for a, for a broken heart. Shipwrecks. But then there are snake bites. Snake bites are the comments that offend you and the DMs that distract you. Snake bites are the disappointments from yesterday and the deadlines tomorrow that you're worried about. Snake bites are the delayed flights when you're already late. See, what I'm trying to do today is just zoom in on a typical Tuesday in your life. Because I wonder if, much like me, the reason you're so anxious is because you treat snake bites like shipwrecks. I've battled anxiety for 11 years now, and I've been shipwrecked on Malta a few times in that time frame. But I have to be honest with you, church, most of my anxiety, and I mean like 95%, does not come from the shipwrecks to Malta. It actually comes because I sweat all the small stuff. And I worry about so many things that just never happen in the, the little things that don't have to get me down, but they do get me down because I just, I make friends with it in a weird way. It reaffirms this narrative that everything is, is just out to get me. When Paul said, hey, don't be anxious about anything because God has already done everything. And Jesus would say in Matthew chapter six, he says, don't worry about tomorrow because your heavenly father is already in tomorrow doing just fine. And by the way, he knows what you need even more than you know what you need. And he did not bring you here just to leave you here. And the one who began the good work in you is also going to get you to completion. And I like Paul because this guy is just full on permission to get your Taylor Swift on and shake it off. Because player's gonna play. Play, 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 play. Haters gonna hate, heartbreaker's gonna break. 
but I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. That's five shakes. That's the biblical number of grace, Taylor. Shake it off. Don't sweat the small stuff. So here's, here's what I'm learning in this season. I am learning to discern the difference between those two categories. I think that'll make a world of difference in your journey of attacking anxiety or depression and the mental health battles we all face, discerning the difference between shipwrecks and snake bites, snake bites. Because things happen in my life and I immediately, I immediately think, shipwreck, shipwreck, has to be. Who do I, who, how many people can I tell about this? Let me, let me make a, a post about this. It's gonna seem really noble and spiritual. God, why? It's a shipwreck, right? And what Paul shows us is that the freedom and the peace and the joy that are rightfully yours in Christ Jesus will be experienced by you in this life to the degree that you cannot sweat the small stuff. Because there's so many things that I immediately, I'm the, I'm the boy who cried shipwreck on Malta. And Paul is just permission just to, oh man, just shake it off. You've got life to live. Let's go, shake it off. So how do you do that? Well, ABC, as easy as one, two, three. See, what I'm trying to tell you is to get your Jackson 5 on when it comes to shaking off the snake bites. So here are the ABCs of how to shake it off, okay? Here we go. Acknowledge the bite. Acknowledge the bite. Why? Because small, I'm saying small difficulties and disappointments still hurt and you're not crazy and it makes sense that it stings. And you need to feel it for a moment so you can see it for what it is before your emotions take over and it turns into something way more than it needs to be. Acknowledge it and then bless the situation in other words, give it to God, invite him into it, pray for that person, pray for that, the guy in that car who just cut you off when you're already late or the construction vehicles, right? If the enemy wants to use this to let death have its day, I'm gonna flip that and I'm gonna speak life and I'm gonna bless the situation. Will thought the faucet fiasco was a shipwreck and the end of the world until his dad came downstairs. See, the big stuff to us is just, it's not to God. And that's not to minimize your stuff, that is to maximize your God. And the more maximized your God is in your life, the more freedom and peace and joy you will walk in in this life. So bless the situation, invite him into it. And then number three, carry on with your life. Let it go, release it, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore, let it go. Turn away and slam the, the door, I have to stop, this is. Why? Because snakes are not accessories. But it's so easy to learn to live with this thing on your hand and say you're healing, but you're really just ruminating. And resentment reaffirms your neuropathway narratives that everything's out to get you. And chemically speaking, stuff like spite is actually addictive. And you start to enjoy the buzz of bitterness. And you make friends with it in a weird way. And I mean, this is kind of my identity now and I can control this and I have something to blame when things aren't going well. Guys, it's not me, it's, it's this. 
And then people say, hey, Doug, what's that on your hand? And I go, oh my gosh, this is the last thing I wanted, attention. <laughs> Why does everybody keep asking me about this? Well, sorry, it's just kind of obvious. That's just a snake on your hand. Oh, well, if you must know, what happened was, but Paul just, I mean, I'm not the only one who wants the world to know the story of how I got bit. But Paul doesn't post it. Paul just, he just shakes it. Why? Because with all due respect, you've got life to live. Carry on. Because this life is short. Like David would say, it's a, it's a mist on an afternoon in Austin in the summer. Here today and gone like that. Dew on the grass that's here in the morning and gone before lunchtime. We are in our 38th month as a church and we were in our first month a second ago. This life goes by so fast and you got bigger fish to fry. To quote my mom one more time, she says that to me all the time as a grown man. Don't sweat the small stuff and sweetheart, you got bigger fish to fry. Don't carry spite, carry on, carry on. I was golfing with a pastor friend recently and he pulled out his phone on hole three and never pull out your phone while you're golfing. That's when this kind of stuff always happens because he gets... He gets a DM from a, a Christian who just said some unfairly, like some horrible, just nasty stuff. Not just critiquing a sermon, but attacking his character. And, and I, I read it, and my blood is just boiling on his behalf, you know? And I see the, the ABCs of shaking it off in action in the golf cart right next to me because he, he read it. And he acknowledged it and he went, oh, ouch. Like that, that stings. And then he closed his eyes and for 10 seconds he prayed for the sender. He opens his eyes, puts his phone away, he takes a deep breath, he looks at me and he goes, okay. And I look back at him and go, okay? <laughs> no, like you're just gonna go play this par five right now? Like, this is, not, this is not okay. This is anything but okay. At least snap your nine iron over your knee and pretend it's him and give me your phone and I'll DM this guy back. Like, I got some stuff to say. But my friend just kind of looked at me as if, as if to go like, hey, this event doesn't own me. This guy doesn't own me. I'm just gonna tell you how it is. The comment section is just a cheap and easy way for critics to feel powerful for just a little bit. This, this doesn't own me. It's a beautiful day, let's golf. It's a beautiful day in front of us. I've been set free and if it's all the same to you, I'm gonna choose to live like it. It's a beautiful day, let's golf. Acknowledge the bite. When life disappoints you, when you don't get that job, when you don't get into that school, when you put yourself out there and you get rejected or ghosted or turned down or wrongly criticized or critiqued by that group of people, acknowledge the bite because that stuff hurts. And then bless the situation. Pray for that person because bit people bite people and this has way more to do with them than it does to you and then speak life over that group, over that school, over that former coach, over that company and over that church because you speaking life, that is the power that's going to release you from the grip of envy and anger and the bitterness that you don't got time for because to quote my mom one more time, you got bigger fish to fry, life is short, carry on, it's a beautiful day, let's go golfing, okay?
Verse six says this, the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds all of a sudden and said he was a god. And I think, wait a second, they, they just said he was a murderer with a demon like two minutes ago. And now they're changing their minds and saying he's divine and he's God because he got bit by a snake and he shook the snake off. Like, what is the court of public opinion in one word, church? Fickle. Can we be honest? In, in 2022, a lot of, when we talk about snake bites, when we talk about the small stuff, a lot of it has to do with the offenses that come our way, which by the way is nothing new. They say we're living in the age of offenses. I disagree. Offenses have always been around. Now I think we're living in the age of offended. It's different. Offenses are inevitable. Offended is optional. Offenses are an event. Offended is a decision. And Paul proved it. I'm not gonna let a snake bite ruin my day. I've got stuff to do today. I've got a destiny. I, I've, got, I've got a destiny in Rome and a life to live with stuff to do between now and then. I'm going to shake it off. It's a beautiful day. Let's golf. And I hope that this is, that this is helpful just to kind of zoom in on the snake bites because for every big thing, there's about 5,000 small things that I really think add up and cause our anxiety and our low grade just stress and unread alert all the time and I can't sleep that well at night and I think it has far less to do with the big stuff and the shipwrecks on Malta and a lot to do with the snake bites that we just, we don't shake off and the worries that we, we don't get above and sort of acknowledge and see for what they are and bless the situation and invite God into it and carry on. So what I wanna tell you is this, your turnaround time matters. Turnaround time matters. And so my prayer for you is next time this happens to you, to shrink the gap between the moment and the shake as much as possible because the longer that thing is on your hand, the more venom gets into your blood. Your divine, purchased by Jesus, blood. And when once upon a time you just had something simple you needed to shake off, now you, you actually do have something you need to process because you got venom in the bloodstream. So reduce the turnaround time because a moment happens that triggers emotions. And when those emotions are undealt with, it becomes a mood. And when that mood goes undealt with, that becomes a demeanor. Hey, what's wrong with so-and-so? Oh, three weeks ago, this person said this thing. Three weeks ago? And when the demeanor is undealt with, it becomes part of your personality. And it's not a good one. It's not the one God gave you. It gets in your blood. It's venom. And I'm gonna read 1 Peter 2, 1 and see these words as components of venom, if you will. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Life's too short, your calling is too valuable. God's got too many plans for you, for you to, to waste it with nonsense like that. I don't, got, I don't got three days to process every snake bite. It's kind of Paul just, I don't got, no, this doesn't own me. 
It doesn't get to fasten itself and attach itself to my life. That venom doesn't need to be in my blood. If I don't want it to be, I know Jesus. Shake it off. Carry on. It's a beautiful day. We got life to live. I think, man, I got, I've got a wife to love and enjoy and little kids to raise and enjoy and a God to serve and a God who, by the way, is more glorified the more that I enjoy him. I've got a calling on my life that's already hard enough without me wearing a thousand snakes as accessories and getting used to, getting used to the bitterness buzz and the resentment that reaffirms and so I guess I just, I'll finish here. This is my conclusion, and 75% of your audience re-engages when you use the word conclusion, and so. <laughs> I'm gonna conclude right here with my conclusion. <laughs> it's like you have the voices of the critics and you have the voices of the creator. And for Paul, the critics were just the, the praisers, two seconds later. And I, I think there's something there because I think how you handle the praise in your life prepares you to handle the snake bites and the criticism that comes your way. Because I know both praise and critique in high amounts are equally damaging to your soul if you let them in. And so Corey Ten Boom, during World War II, her and her family, they protected and safe housed a lot of Jewish people during the Holocaust and, and eventually they were caught and placed in a concentration camp themselves where she spent all of that time sharing the gospel and preaching the good news of Jesus and survived and wrote a book about it. It became a movie that got a lot of attention, got her a lot of praise for it. And, and, and she said, this is what I do when, when praise comes. Because you don't wanna, it's not deflection. Attention's not evil, it just needs to be stewarded. So it's not a deflection game, it's a redirection game. It's a, hey, I'm gonna let that build my confidence. Thank you, by the way. That's encouraging to me. I needed to hear that today. And she receives every little bit of praise, almost like a flower. And then at the end of her day, she takes all of them like a bouquet and gives them to God. And so she understands the, the system, if you will. This is gonna build me up and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it to worship because I can't get drunk on the drink of your praise because if I do, the moment criticism and hate come my way, I'm gonna get intoxicated by that and that's gonna get in my bloodstream as well because if you live by the praise of people, you will die by their criticism as well. So I think it prepares you to handle it. And I also just know the voices you listen to will determine the future that you experience and critics in your bleachers, when I say bleachers, I mean, that's nothing new. And if you wanna start attacking anxiety and depression in your life on another level today, it's time to listen to your creator above your critics. And so what I wanna leave you with is just five what I call anti-venom verses that Sean sent me from chapter 12 of his book that he speaks over himself all the time when he wants to choose to focus on what his heavenly father says about him as opposed to what the ever-changing and very fickle court of public opinion has to say about him. And these will be on social media for you to screenshot later if you want. Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14, for you created me 
in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's what's true about me. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Remember that you are a masterpiece and made on purpose for a purpose. Don't sweat the small stuff. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Remember, when you decide to be part of the solution, people are gonna blame you for all the problems. Be part of it anyways. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In other words, you didn't, you didn't choose your purpose. He did. You didn't choose to be here to be born, to have the gifts that you have. He started the good work, and he'll finish it. You got this. Even, even shipwrecked on Malta, he'll, he'll be with, maybe especially there, he's with you. First Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The battle is his, the war has been won, so give your, permit, give your anxiety permission to take a day off this week because he purposed you, which means he'll provide for you. And if, he, if he's calling you, he'll equip you. If he sends you, he's gonna go with you. And then Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for God's gifts and his care, his call, sorry, are irrevocable. Even when it's your fault, it's another thing if, if somebody else says something or it's their consequences I'm dealing with. But what about when it's your fault? When you mess up and the critical voice is the one in your own head telling you you've gone too far and you're too messed up. And remember, God sent Jesus and he knew what he was purchasing on the cross and has not a drop of buyer's remorse about what he bought when he looks at you. Fully aware of all of your sin, past, present, and future, even more than you. His calling and gifts on your life are irrevocable. Do not sweat the small stuff. It feels, man, especially when you're on Malta or you have been recently, small stuff feels like big stuff. Um, and if you're there right now, shipwrecked, dealing with just, I mean, you're sitting in pain and it's like, man, my soul is just suffocating. I'm trying to catch a breath here. And my challenge for you over the next 10 minutes as we worship is to worship anyways. I'm not saying that's easy, but I'm saying that when you praise God in the pain, there is power that gets unleashed over your life. Because what happens next, you can go read it this week, Paul, a few days later, goes on to heal some guy with the same hand, the snake bit. Because he said, I'm gonna praise you even in the pain and that unleashes power in your life and through your life. Something has to break. And if you're just, if you're like me right now and it's a million small things. My encouragement for you, first of all, is if you're good at worrying about all the small things that never happen, you're gonna be great at worshiping God for all the small things that actually do happen that are good that he provides because it's the same imagination. It's just been renewed and reclaimed for what it was made to do, which is perspective, to, to see your God for who he really is, to do what my son did. Maybe that's what you need to do during worship. Daddy, I need help. 
lets your dad come down the stairs so you can, you can look at everything you're afraid of and worrying about and every shipwreck and snake bite and see what those things look like standing next to your God. Daddy, I need, I need help. We've got a calling, church, a mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and his good news from Austin to the ends of the earth. And we cannot let the court of public opinion or shipwrecks or snake bites determine whether or not we go. Paul's in Malta, but he knows I have a destiny in Rome. And so I say to all of us, on with destiny, on with life. Carry on because we've got a God to experience and family to find and purpose to discover and, and a difference to go and make. We have got a gospel to preach and people to reach and a church to build. And I can tell you this much, we're gonna get bit along the way. What are you gonna do about it? You're gonna get shipwrecked along the way. In this world, you will have trouble. What are you focused on? The first half of that verse or what follows beyond the comma? Take heart, Christian, for your God, your dad, has overcome this entire world. Amen? Red Rocks, will you guys stand? I wanna pray for you. And then we're gonna sing and we're gonna proclaim truth and we're gonna stand on the time-tested true word of God in a very shakable world. So Jesus, we love you so much. I just pray for anybody who is shipwrecked on Malta right now, that you would give them the courage and the strength to make a decision to praise you regardless and worship you regardless. And as they do, God, would you come down the stairs? Would they feel your presence unlike ever before? Would you unleash power in their lives and through their lives? And for everybody that just needs to shake off some stuff today before that gets in their blood and gets in their system, help us to acknowledge it and see it for what it is and help us to, we right now, we bless the situations and we pray for the people who have wronged us and we invite you down the stairs into this. God, we speak life over the world that has hurt us and then help us carry on. I pray that we drop something in here and shake something in here and leave it in here at the foot of the cross so 10 minutes from now we can walk out of here light because we got lives to live and they're so short, but it's so good. We don't have time to waste it with all the, the small things that 99.9% .9 of the time never even happen. We let it go and we release it. In Jesus' name, amen.